This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Um, since we're on the subject, we should mention that there's two uses of cannabis. Uh, one use is the kind that 99% of people do, and that's called regular use. And they don't get, they get certain property that comes with cannabis. And then the other is called irregular use, which is you know, six, eight weeks, something like that, which would come out to about six to maybe uh, ten times a year, perhaps, maybe a little more, but, uh, but not much more. And then it has a totally different effect, a totally different property. So the property that comes with someone who uses it infrequently is that they will get a tremendous clarity, tremendous clarity. They'll be able to make distinctions of things they never thought of before, make connections in their brain that they never would have made before, and most importantly is come to a state of gratitude for their lives, probably stop complaining and start actually appreciating what they got going on in their, in their, in their life likely uh, to see their spouse and children and begin to cry at how incredible they are and how much they've been missing out on it all this time because for some reason they seem 3D and connected, which is not something that goes away when the cannabis wears off. They now are in a new realm of appreciation of their spouse, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Why this takes place is that the, the cannabis directly affects a, an area of the brain called the default mode network. Now, how did you know you're asking an expert in cannabis this, this question? Because I've known you, and, I've, and I, I study your past, and I've, I've always wanted to ask that particular question. I didn't have the chutzpah yeshiva to do it. Good for you. So you finally you got back five years later, and, you're like, and I'm like, gotta do it. I'm asking this question. Okay, very good. Welcome, welcome. We're discussing cannabis today, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, please sit closer than further, though, if you can. It's just that's okay. That's as far as close. Yeah. No, 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 no. Oh, is that your spot already? No. Good. Grab it. No one's there. Okay. Now, just to give you a little brain science, what happens is the human brain has the middle of it got something called the default mode network. I discuss that network a lot because of my seminar work. It happens to be able to um, shut down the default mode network uh, via that. And by the way, there's a seminar coming up next this coming Sunday. And by the way, did I mention to you we're having a chillant party Thursday night? I'm doing a live music kumzits this Thursday night in Dushinsky. Tomorrow night will be 9 p.m. with chillant serve for free. This prize. So that's going on Thursday night, 9 p.m. So once in a while I do events like this. So this is the week. Doing an event Thursday night. Tell all your friends. If you ain't got no friends, tell your non-friends. Okay? Now, um, anyway, it's just men, unfortunately. I apologize that there won't be any. You a girl event. Girl event? I have five daughters. I have a girl event every day. Mazel tov on your daughter's engagement, by the way. Mazel tov, yeah, thank God. Wow, you're really following me online. <laughs> yes. You should join my media club, man. What's up with you? What, no, what's the media oh club? Oh my gosh, announcing. Hello. Tonight is the media club's first event. I'm doing a QA and uh, all around the world on Zoom. And if anyone wants to be part of that and you've been waiting to join the club, we'll wait no more and just join the club. All right? It's yomtobmediaclub.com. Yomtobmediaclub.com. And tonight's Q and A is 12 p.m. 12 a.m. our time, 5 p.m. Eastern, Eastern, and 2 p.m. Western. 
And all those dudes in the middle, I guess, is... Figure it out. Something. No, five and two. Yeah, that's right. Somewhere in the middle. Okay. Um... Marijuana. Yeah, so what happens is... (laughs) What happens is the, the default mode network its job is, just to give it a nutshell, its job is to take all your past experiences to help you navigate the future. That's why you prefer a 30-year-old driver than a 60-year-old driver driving you across the country. Because he's just got more past in the database to be predicting the future as he's navigating along the road. Now, they've discovered that 90% of what you see when you're in serious navigation mode is uh, 90% of what you see is actually a predictive model that your brain creates so that your 10% stays on task. So 90%, you think your brain's working when you're driving down the highway, when in fact 90% of it's modeling the, the side and the trees and the birds and the, everything going on around you. It's 90% of your brain is modeling that from past highway experiences. 10% of your brain is the one that's actually stimulated by what? The cars in front of you, which is a really good thing. You don't want the person driving to be experiencing what the passenger is. Passenger is also predictive because the default mode network doesn't have a switch, although cannabis is a bit of a switch, and that's what part of what we're discussing, and that's why you should not be driving on cannabis, because the bird ain't more interesting than the car with his brake lights on in front of you, okay? And you don't want to be seeing that bird, you want to have your brain modeling the bird, and not seeing the actual bird, so you can stay on task and hit your brakes. Okay? And that's why it's really important not to drive when the default mode network is down. Now, the, um, the, there are ways for you to get the default mode network down via meditation. That's one way. The way I lead is through um, seminars. I, do, I run a seminar called The Possible You, where we drill into the default mode network by attacking <coughs> on its terms, which really freaks it out. Because the only way your default... Oh, so remember we are talking about highways, how you navigate? Yeah? So you're navigating, default mode network's taking your past and spraying it onto the cars in front of it so you can... React appropriately. So it turns out, because there's no switch, your default mode network's working overtime all the time. You always think you're going 90 miles. You always think you're going 80 miles per hour, and you always, and your brain keeps thinking it needs to predict things. So, for example, you're here, you're filtering out most of my class right now. There's probably something I've said already, or there's something about my style. Maybe someone said something once about Hasidim, or whatever it may be. Who knows what? But your default mode network is on like all the time because you don't have a switch for it. And so you're, you've knocked me into some kind of concept. I'll be lucky to get an important word in edgewise during this hour. You know, maybe I can slip something under the radar of your default mode network and maybe touch your heart in some special way, but, uh, which is all I'm doing here. But your default mode network will make you fall asleep right now. I was only speaking to you. I, I, I have a meditative approach. And so the, the default mode network, by the way, you're all asleep. You realize if your default mode network's predicting me right now and predicting everything, and all it's doing is trying to keep you from crashing into the car in front of you, which in this case is a wildly Hasidic man. So the, if, you're, if your default mode network is constantly protecting you from these things, you know, good luck hearing anything I say. You know, because you're not really here. You're not really every, anywhere. I mean, I'm not even sure you taste an apple when you're chewing on it. 
You're eating the concept of an apple. You're talking to a concept of your spouse. You're in the concept of your children. You're in the concept of your job. And your serious concept of your boss. If you're married, you're your major concept of your in-laws. My goodness. Just tell them it's okay to get stoned and let's get home. <laughs> no, I don't even smoke marijuana. I was just asking you because I... We're going, we're going. Uh, I'm speaking. Well, I don't understand. You sent out to drive, but people take, like, burning cruises and, like, they drive a marijuana a lot. People drive marijuana a lot? Yeah. That's because they live out in the country. They're driving a 1975 Dodge. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> the last time they saw a car was an hour ago. Okay. <laughs> That's cool. We got the music cranked up. Hi, as a kite. Yeah? I mean, your default mode network can pull off one car per hour on a dirt road in Louisiana. Okay? I think it could handle it. <laughs> Not to mention you see it for 20 minutes. See it coming for 20 minutes. <laughs> You gotta be a real Waldo to bump straight into it. You know? <laughs> okay, so listen. Um, what happens is that that many of these things, especially all psychedelics and cannabis, is listed amongst the psychedelics. They take the default mode network offline. Now, think about it, everyone. You probably weren't thinking about this, but think about this for a moment. I'm missing this girl over here. Is that the? Um, think about this. If ninety, if your default mode network has you 90% in predictive models about what's going on around you? You got that question? If that's the case, what's going on with your whole brain that's built for stimulation from sight, smell, color, emotion, you know, like, you know, taste, touch? Like what's going on with the rest of your receptors? Because you have massive amounts. I only mentioned the senses just there. Well, I mentioned feelings, but what's going on with the rest of your brain? And the answer is, it's all getting suppressed by the default mode network. The job of the default mode network is to keep you shut down so that you don't bump into vehicles at high speeds. You get that? The job of your default mode network is to keep you shut down and to turn everything you see to flip it from an experiential reality to a conceptual reality. So that everything becomes a concept. Like, for example, if you have a family member who raises their voice. Raise your hand if you have a family member who raises their voice once in a while. Okay, one honest person, two honest person, three honest person, four honest person, five person, six honest person, and then the rest are liars. Okay? So everyone has a relative that raises their voice once in a while. And now, that's a great time for your default mode network to purely conceptualize this person as a, as a raving idiot. And because no one deserves your attention when they're yelling. And so you, that's fine. Go offline. You want to, you want to go offline? Go offline. Sorry, you don't want your default mode network, like meaning your brain offline. So the default mode network can just conceptualize this screamer, this person is screaming. So that's good. Let the default mode network conceptualize that person as a screamer and someone you pay no attention to, especially the details that they say. By the way, those may be important details. Just mentioning. They may be important details they're screaming about. But, you know, to take note of them maybe in another time. Not, well, this person's at full volume. And they're probably hitting you in the lowest place. And they're probably also getting you right when you least would have expected it, like before your coffee. 
<laughs> Which is never good timing. Now, <laughs> imagine someone yelling at you before you've had your first, first coffee. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what you okay? <laughs> I, I don't know what, something went down my wrong pipe here. Now, cannabis puts your default mode network offline, causes the rest of the brain to network. You get that? Because the rest of the brain network suddenly music sounds like extremely enhanced. Now, by the way, is the music extremely enhanced? No, nothing's changed in the music. The only thing that's changed in the music is your receptors are experiencing it fully. That's it. You're just experiencing it fully. You're not lost in. That's why, have you guys ever been to a concert for a band or a group that you like listening to on their you know, studio recordings? You ever done that? And did anyone have the coolest time ever doing that? And it was just completely beyond, beyond the recording, like way beyond the recording. Anyone ever have that happen? Yeah, that's because they knocked your default mode network senseless through their loud music. You know, I know people, everyone loves to say they love loud music. They don't love loud music. I always know whenever I hear music class, it's going to be down within 30 seconds, if not 20 seconds, and many of them even 10 seconds. I'm one of the only people I know whose stereo goes to 11 and stays there. I have 11, cars, 11 speakers in my car stereo. I have two handmade Wharfdale monster speakers in my dining room. And I take loud music very seriously. And I also do not like live performances. Because as a musician, I'm a total snob. And I want the sound to be absolutely perfect. Which is rarely... Uh, it's rarely possible in a live setting, especially outdoors. And I, so I really prefer my music straight out of the studio. I don't like live, live recordings. And uh, sorry, I don't like live. I definitely don't like live recordings. Concerts can be fun if they're ex, if they're ex, if there's an exchange, like the Grateful Dead concerts. There was exchange. There, there was a relationship. I remember my first show, people kept showing me pieces of paper with words on them and then look at me like, <laughs> and I'd look at the piece of paper and there's something kind of legible written there, you know, and say like, I don't know, Terrapin Station or something, and I'd be like, <laughs> but what I didn't realize what was going on was that these papers were going around the whole place with its name of a song to see if the band would start playing it if we all got enough people thinking of it. Which happened five times in a three-hour concert. And every time it happened, the crowd went so wild. And by the way, I remember I didn't understand what the papers were. I didn't put it together with the crowd going wild either. <laughs> so I was like, as a musician, I'm looking at them on stage. And I'm just like, why is the crowd going eight when nothing has happened? Like, literally nothing has happened. And later I started realizing that there's an exchange going on. And they really was an exchange. Oh my goodness! They once played on New Year's Eve in Oakland. They once played uh, knocking on knock knock knocking on heaven's door. You know, which is a pretty deep song about death and and uh, etc. Knock. Yeah, but the song. You know, how's what's the rhythm of the song? Someone sing the rhythm of the song. Just give the knock. <laughs> 
and sometimes for selfish reasons, like when I'm careening down the old city on my mountain bike, instinct people tend to know I'm coming. They'll turn around. I'm still 100 yards away, and they'll just sense it. Just like, like that, and they'll see me like, wow, and then just, just go like that, instinctually. Whereas you can have someone coming towards me who's an intellectual, because there's intellectuals, interpersonals, and instinctuals. They're coming at me who's an intellectual, and the guy, like, won't even figure out how to, like, he'll start playing that game, you know, when you're walking and you're both like, which way, and you get stuck. That, that doesn't happen when someone's moving fast. You just get out of the way. You understand? But all, I played that game with intellectuals, and I'm going 30 kilometers per hour down it, down slick, old city stone streets. And this is the game he's suddenly playing with me. He's not trying to play a game. He just has no instinct. So he, he just doesn't know what to do when but something... you would think he's smart enough. Smarts and instincts are opposites. Oh. Did I... Oh, did you say smart enough? Yeah, then you would figure out, like, oh, you're coming. I, I feel bad I said that. Smart and instincts are not opposites. Intellectuals and instinctuals are opposites. No, but I said intellectual. Yeah, intellectuals, intellectual they're very smart about ideas. They're not very smart about mountain bikers. You know why else I love instinctuals? Is because they like to invite me to a, have a schwitz. They love saunas. They just love saunas. I know one instinctual that goes to a sauna every day. <laughs> he actually goes to a full, like, you know, five saunas. Spa. Every day. So I always know whenever I'm... Where? New York. So I always know wherever, whenever I'm visiting New York... Like, go to the mikvah, Davin, WhatsApp him, meet him at a spa. And, because I'm also, I love spa. I'm very instinctual. Now, what's interesting is a lot of us think that intellectuals are the smart people, right? Intellectuals. You know, that a lot of instinctual people are smarter, and those interpersonal people are smarter than many intellectuals. But some people, they just love ideas, but they weren't given a great engine, you know? And you, you mean an instinctual person who's been given a Ferrari. And that's the, the whole financial district of Midtown Manhattan. They're all instinctuals who are actually the Mida of what's called um, their Midas Hahod in the seven spheres. Midas Hahod, which is the left side. They're very into technical and structure. And they're geniuses. And they're instinctual. And they get the stock trade. And they get the markets and how things move. And they just make good decisions most of the time. Now, back to cannabis. The, the what happens is cannabis, um, as well as all psychedelics, take the default mode network offline, causing the rest of the brain to experience things. And the music doesn't sound better on cannabis. It's just the music. It's just that you're you're actually hearing it. That's all. You're just hearing it for what's actually there. Now that you get to hear the music. And now, here's the interesting thing. Here's the dangerous thing with cannabis is 99% of cannabis users are abusers. And what I mean by abusers is, and it's not exactly the same as abuse, but it's called over-users. 99% of cannabis users are over-users. And then it has a completely different effect, and you can even call it an opposite. What it does is... The default mode network realizes what's going on here. Not doesn't take it more than three times or four times in a row of a cannabis user using it, let's say within a week. Four times in a row, default mode network already gets it. This guy's this guy thinks he can trip me up every day. 
And mm. and then the default mode network pumps back in. Now listen carefully what I'm about to say, because it could save your marriage literally. Or get you married if you're a chronic smoker. Okay? Listen carefully. The default me- mode network is no dummy. It goes back online. The cannabis goes in, yeah? Which has, you know, it's psychoactive. It's a very psychoactive effect. And so here, this guy is totally buzzed with his default mode network doing its job of suppressing the rest of the brain. And what happens is, how do I tell you this? Okay, here we go. The Remember earlier I was saying how, how, how um, cannabis can, can decouple uh, things that are distinct from one another, it can actually distinguish them, meaning things that should be distinct but are blurred. It will help you distinguish them. It's like the tree of knowledge, good and evil. It helps you see things that you thought were one or actually two. There are two. You shouldn't mess up that distinction. You know, don't just go to an eye doctor. If, if someone's getting a cataract fix, don't go to the laser surgeon who helps with vision. You want to distinguish these things. But for the rest of us, they're just called eye doctors because we don't have eyebrows, we don't have to think about it. You understand? Like, uh, distinguish what is said by someone screaming with what they're feeling. What they're saying, they don't mean. What What they're feeling right now is really insecure. Someone screaming and losing, it's really insecure. So you want to distinguish words from feeling. What they're saying versus what they're feeling. So these are important distinctions to have. One of the properties of cannabis is it it causes the ability to make distinctions. It just gives you better ability to make distinctions, that's all. Now, making distinctions with the part of your brain that's networked, the rest of the brain that's networked because the default mode network went down while on cannabis, you're gonna you're gonna come away with incredible wisdom that you had locked in side that suddenly has become available and you're, you're going to be like a prophet for a couple hours and I suggest writing everything down if you do this because it's going to be life changing and you'll help others change their lives are you ready for this? here's the freaky part is that the default network's fully on and it's got your rest of your brain suppressed which is its job is to keep the rest of your brain not networked and then add all these distinctions what you're going to wind up doing listen carefully is going Super conceptual. Like, remember we spoke about us being in the conceptual mode? And then we went to live constant and we got, like, ex- full experiential mode? And we then we heard it, because we we're in the experience? The cannabis will cause the person with their default mode network up, which, what's its job? Its job is to create a concept over everything it sees so it can navigate. You, you conceptualize your mom so you can navigate with her. You conceptualize your father so you can navigate Spouses are conceptualized by the other spouse for navigation. So your brain's in full conceptual mode, but all of a sudden you're making all these distinctions. But the problem is distinctions aren't in the realm of clarity. The distinctions are in the realm of concept. And then you start conceptualizing your spouse in all kinds of distinctions that are not fair. They're not nice. And they're not, they're not accurate either. And, and you start conceptualizing your father and conceptualize the neighbor and you conceptualize this and you conceptualize that. After a while, your whole life has just been a concept. And overusers of marijuana live 
totally lost in concepts. Everything's just some conceptual, over-distinguished conceptual living that is uh, that has taken them away from this world. And it could be even the U.S. government, the FDA, have finally said, you know what, they want it so badly, they'll just make it easier to rule. The heavier psychedelics make it impossible to rule, but... You know, they, I don't know if it's still the case, but at one point, the, the getting caught with a drug was, you know, whatever they called it, class one drug offense or whatever it was called. LSD was called uh, conspiracy to overthrow the government. Someone was caught with that. But it could be that it could be that that cannabis is exactly what the government should be using because it will certainly put people into the concepts and fall asleep into their particular partisan, you know, headspace. And the, and so uh, the examples I like to give are, uh, uh, you go over to your, your friend Joe's house, who's a real pothead, and he goes to the bathroom, and he's got all these bottles on his, on his window, and you go over to one of those bottles, you know, you find the Grolsch bottle with a flip cap, you know, the sealable flip cap, and you're flipping the cap and waiting for Joe to get out of the bathroom. Today, no one would do that. You'd be on your smartphone, obviously, but... Before smartphones, you're playing with a flip cap. And Joe comes out of the bathroom, sees you holding his grocery bottle, screams that you should put it back. You quickly put it back and you're like, whoa, what's up with that grocery bottle? And he's like, do you have any idea what that grocery bottle means? And you're like, secretly you're like, I don't, and I don't want to hear it because I've already been listening to you for the last 45 minutes of an, in, an inane conundrum of non-sequiturs, of things that you've found meaningful. But nevertheless, of course, you're going to hear the story about the girls' bottle that dates back 12 years. All unimportant, but extremely important for Joe. Anyway, so you tell Joe that we're all heading over to Frank's to play pool. At which point Joe says... I don't go to Frank's house. And you know, like, what are you talking about? Like, everybody goes to Frank's house, but actually, come to think about it, I've never seen you. He says, like, I get this certain kind of vibe at Frank's house. Frank's house is out. Not going. So you can either hang with me here or go to Frank's on your own. I'll take the ladder, please. And so what happens is they start living inside this total realm of conceptual living. And uh, this, sadly, often is the male rather than the female in a marriage. Just to talk about how it can really mess up a marriage, it's usually the male over the female. And the reason why it's usually the male over the female is, first of all, men in general, you know, are when you, when you pull men, they generally fall under women when it comes to responsibility. They're, they they have less uh, likelihood to take on responsibility. I mean, if you think about women themselves, they're physiologically built to make sure of the survival of humanity, of the human species. <laughs> like you, you don't have a newborn and just hand it to your husband for a week. You understand? Like, that wouldn't be good. It might make it, but it might not. You know, you, you leave with the mother, she will watch after that that little guy or girl, and, you know, it's in good hands with the mother. They're good at taking responsibility for things. They're just built to do it. 
and 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 there's also not to mention just culturally there's thousands of years of traditions of mamas to daughters of like taking care caretakers they're good at that stuff and that's otherwise known to men as begins with a big R responsibility and if I can quote Cheech Marin which is appropriate of all of my classes this is definitely a good time to quote Cheech Marin of Cheech and Chong who said responsibility is a heavy responsibility man men don't like responsibility much and the fact that they can take a trip to Disneyland with one puff well the regular users which is 99% of them need a whole you know joint to get anywhere but but they'll smoke the whole joint and not really go anywhere compared to if they would only do that a couple times a year or maybe six weeks or something where they'd go to the moon they uh Anyway, but the so what happens is she's not smoking so much. She doesn't also have that escape need as much. She doesn't have to press escape on her keyboard as much as the man does. Men need to get out. And thank God for you ladies, us observant men have sure. We have sure. We are constantly hitting the escape button. And when we get up in the morning, first thing you gotta do is go to sure. And if you're Hasidic, you get to spend your morning for the first at least 15 to 20 minutes naked with all of your neighbors. <laughs> at least the male ones. And uh, and that's very, that is very good for the soul. Very good for the soul. I mean, think about it. Think about it. Most people, number one, fear and pain is social anxiety. Social anxiety. And social anxiety is mostly prompted by people's outfits and, you know, their stand because everyone wears outfits based on kind of where they're at and and the uh, some people make you feel at ease you make me feel at ease what's your name simple simple makes me feel at ease uh you know this dude over there makes me feel less at ease like not you okay back there makes me think that like i gotta say something intelligent or something here you know you know what i'm saying but how would i know the difference between the two of them it's just their presentation and how healthy it is for the soul to spend your morning stark naked with everyone in your community. <laughs> the men. Every morning. Every morning. The men. So, long story short is that the man's using the cannabis. There's another thing is that let's say she's into cannabis. Yeah, let's say she's into cannabis, but she, now she's pregnant. She's not using it. Now she's nursing. Not using it. Now she's pregnant. Not using it. Now she's nursing. Not using it. Now she's pregnant. Not, not using cannabis. He's the guy in living in some conceptual trap, in some fungal, you know, his brain's like gone fungal, and she's just become fanged with pointed ears, Mrs. Disaster, and the kids are just one more obligation, and they, and they themselves are like little gnomes that are nothing but a hassle, and so... Basically, cannabis has been a total disaster to most families, and uh, and it's uh, something that should be avoided at all costs. Um, and again, if you think you're the person who can use that particular plant that God put in this world to be used, that if you think you can use it right, I I'll bet you you can't. <laughs> I bet you you can't. And uh, and and I and all you regular users, prove me wrong. Send me a WhatsApp. Prove me wrong. Okay. Anyway, join the media club, yumtobmediaclub.com. Uh, tonight's the first event, so hope to see you there. And do it quickly so we can get you on the link.
Shalom, everybody. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.